Hey everybody, so good to see you. Thank you for being here. By the way, if I can just say this, isn't it great to live so close to Ann Arbor, Michigan right now? Ooh. Uh, that's probably the most spiritual thing I'll say all morning. So it's, it's great to have you here. Whether you're a guest or a regular attender, thank you for being here. And we are starting this series called InstaFam. And it's really based upon a very popular app application that we have on our phones and computers called Instagram. And I'm curious, how many of you have Instagram app? Do you have that? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, you might want to get one because it's a, it's a really neat way to post creative pictures and to kind of paint pictures of your life and of your circumstances for other people whom you're in relationship with. And what we're doing with the series is we're basically saying that God has given us all kinds of pictures of what the family is supposed to look like. And we're going to be communicating God's pictures of the marriage relationship and family relationships so that we can kind of evaluate where we're at and when we can learn how to get where we should be going. And so we're calling it InstaFam. And I'm trusting that whether you're single or married, whether you are in a family environment or on your own, that you understand that God's truth about marriage and family can help us in all circumstances of life because all of life is based upon the currency of relationships. And if we can learn principles about how to do the most intense relationships like marriage and, and parenting, child to parent and parent to child, we can make application to all the relationships of our lives. And uh, I'll try and make sure that there are principal applications to all of our lives. But we're really going to look into the family. I have to say on the front end of any series like this that, that um, though I am called and privileged to be able to communicate the beautiful and ideal pictures of what God created the family to be, marriage and 
the family. I, I'm not, as I teach this, declaring myself to be the perfect example of great application of all of these truths. Um, quite frankly, sometimes I'm the perfect example of how not to do these things. And if you just do the opposite, you'll do great. But, but we're going to be looking as a bunch of flawed and broken human beings what God said our relationships could be and can be. And I hope that we'll all grow together. And though I'm not holding myself up as the standard, I, I can only communicate through the story of my own life and experiences. And so I've been married 33 years. It'll be 34 in June. I've been a parent for over 30 years. And I am now a grandparent. And I have to tell you, grandparenting is easy. Uh, it's great. Um, you spoil kids rotten and you don't care about the results. It's just a beautiful gig. But, but because I've had these experiences and I've not um, seized positive opportunities at times and I have seized some positive opportunities, I'm going to try and share in the context of my life some of these truths and hopefully it'll benefit you. I'm also um, not so much giving speeches about family here. Um, I'm kind of calling you to a conversation about this issue of family and hopefully the conversation will help you wherever you're at in life. Uh, to begin the series InstaFam, uh, we're looking at this talk, this talk called Hashtag I Love You. Um, and, and I have to tell you, when Roxanne and I started having kids, we were, and I'm, I've picked these words carefully, we were young and clueless. Uh, we, we really were. Now, we met our freshman year in college and dated three years and then got married. And yet, when we got married, she was 20 and I had literally, one month before, just turned 21. And so, we were very very young. We all showed wedding pictures, any of us who have been on Instagram, and ours was in what the wedding pictures we showed. And if you saw it, you probably didn't even recognize us. I mean, we were, we were young, but we didn't feel young. We felt like we were all together, man. I mean, if we weren't mature, then there was no such thing as maturity in the world. That's how we saw it. We were, we were very wrong. And I'm curious, how many of you, like Roxanne and myself, got married at 21 or younger? Raise your hand. Okay, wow. Quite a few of you. That's great. And now you're already to your third and fourth, right? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Okay. 20, <laughs> 20. How many of you were married between 25 and 30? Raise your hand. That's been the larger group in all of the weekend talks. And how many of you uh, were brilliant and waited until after you were 30 to get married? Okay. Uh, quite a few of you as well. And how many of you said, I've never been married, never want to be married, and I'm the brilliant one in the crowd? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, think about this. Because we were married so young, 20 and 21, when our firstborn daughter, Carissa, was born, Three years and two weeks after our wedding, Roxanne was only 23, and I was just 24, had just turned 24. And this is where the word clueless comes in. We had no idea what we were doing. I had no idea. Roxanne played with dolls when she was young, but I didn't. And uh, I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. And there weren't all kinds of books available to us on parenting, at least that we knew of, you know. They might have been there. We didn't know of them, so we were striking out on our own. Why not? 
Um, who needs an instruction manual for the most complex function in life, right? Parenting. And, and now, today, there's a proliferation of books on marriage and parenting. And look how it's helping us do marriage and parenting so well, you see? And so whether we had books or not, we were clueless. And we really had no parental help because we lived in portions of the country that were pretty distant from any of our family. And so Roxanne and I, as these young kids, were on our own. And because we were such experts at it, we decided to keep having more and more kids. And so in the course of four years, we had all three of our children, Carissa, Blake, and Allie. It was crazy, crazy. Leap forward to today. Our kids, now all adults, have not only survived... But they're actually doing well in this world. Now, note, my definition of doing well is that they still talk to us once in a while, which is fantastic. Uh, Actually, it goes beyond that. We have great relationship with all of our kids. They have each and every one, in their own unique way, um, decided to follow the values of Christ and the values of faith in this world. And we couldn't be more proud of them. And I also need to say, though along the way there were times when I thought that who they're becoming was a credit to us. I, along the way, have learned that it is a miracle of God's grace and an accident uh, of nature that our kids turned out well, given who their daddy was in particular. But they have. As it turns out, and I look back over the course of our parenting years, and as I understand more and more what God says about parenting, Though Roxanne and I were clueless about how to raise kids, we did have, without even knowing it, one of the most important things required in parenting going for us. Now, there are a lot of important things in parenting, but but without even knowing it, without understanding it, we had one of the most important principles at work in our life required in parenting, and, and here it is. Roxanne and I genuinely genuinely loved each other. Genuinely. I mean, uh, unlike many people who, you know, just kind of started out with, you know, a, a passionate pursuit of each other physically, you know, and all that stuff, Roxanne and I began our relationship just loving being with each other. I mean, it was like a, a just a, a very strong and intimate friendship with no benefits. And then, and then it grew into a relationship where we couldn't imagine life without each other. It became romantic and intimate and wonderful, and we got married. And as much as we loved and invested our kids when they came along, we we never let our kids come between us. Never. We didn't allow our kids to keep us from investing in our marriage to the best of our ability, and we weren't perfect at it, and we had seasons where it was lesser than greater, but to the best of our ability, our relationship, our marriage, always came first in our family. And, you know, it's not like we read that it was supposed to be this way. It's just that we had this genuine love for each other, and we knew the kids shouldn't change that. The, the greatest gift we could give to our kids is the example of love. That's just how we saw it, and that's what we did. And if I could give a side note, and this is just a freebie, I believe this is why when it came time to be empty nesters in our home, we were ecstatic. We were thrilled. <laughs> we, we weren't traumatized. We have friends, and we look out over the, the scope of the landscape of family, and there are 
tons of people traumatized when their kids leave. Traumatized. I was traumatized when they stayed. And so, I mean, it was like, we, we always loved our kids, but you wouldn't believe how much we love them now that they're gone. It is phenomenal. But we loved being together alone when they left because we loved being together when they were there. We never allowed the kids to separate us. We never allowed the kids to become the only thing we had in common. And so when they left, we still had everything we began with and more. And I just really encourage you to understand the importance in your own lives of not letting the kids come between you. But as it relates to raising children and parenting children, though we fell into this by accident, let me tell you the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word is that a healthy and happy marriage is the best and strongest foundation for raising healthy and happy children. A healthy and happy marriage is the best and strongest foundation for raising healthy and happy children. And I know what just happened. I just lost some of you. Some of you were enjoying the talk until I gave you that truth, and now you're a little bit upset at me because I understand the real world. And the real world doesn't offer for a lot of people a healthy and happy marriage. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of devastation. There's a lot of betrayal out there. Many of us have been damaged significantly by the attempt to, to have marriage and, and all of that. And you hear that a healthy and happy marriage is the best and strongest foundation for raising healthy and happy children. And, and you don't like it. And I get it. But the fact that reality has taken us in different direction doesn't mean that we should be dishonest about the truth. And this is the truth. And another thing is, I, I, you just have to be aware of this. Many people are going to receive this in their own way, and it's possible that they'll go out and say, man, that guy at Northridge Church, he's up there saying that healthy and happy marriage is the only way to raise healthy and happy children. He doesn't have a clue. Well, that's true I don't have a clue, but let me tell you something. I didn't just say that. I didn't say a healthy and happy marriage is the only foundation for raising healthy and happy children. I didn't say that. I couldn't say that, but I did say, and so does God's word, that it's the best foundation. It's the strongest foundation for raising healthy and happy children. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, God makes this clear. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And it was into that context then he created the idea of birthing children into the world. As God created them to be together, God then blessed, not singularly, but plurally, God blessed them together and said to them together in this healthy and happy context at the time, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. God authored healthy and happy marriages to bring children into this world. Raising healthy and happy kids, I mean, let's be honest, has always been tough in this world. I really hate it when people create fairy tales out of truth and, and reality and they say, oh man, if you follow Jesus, parenting's easy. No, it's not. You know, if you do marriage right, parenting's easy. No, it's not. Raising healthy and happy kids has always been tough in this world and the Bible is very clear on this. I mean, when you look back into the Bible, you realize parenting's always been, always been tough. Always. Do you realize the first parents, Adam and Eve, had two boys to begin with, Cain and Abel. And they were great young boys. I mean, great. I mean, put aside the fact that Cain murdered Abel and everything else was glorious. Parenting's always been tough, always been tough. 
But I actually believe, and it might be because I'm a product of this culture and a product of this generation and a product of my time, but I actually believe in many ways it's gotten harder and harder and harder through the years. In fact, I believe that it's gotten harder since the days in which Roxanne and I started parenting. And here's why. I believe it's gotten harder and harder to protect our kids from the rotten influences of this world. Harder and harder. And I think one of the primary things of raising healthy and happy children is to try and put them in a context of the right kind of values and the right kind of environment and, and allow them to grow up and be stable so they're strong enough then to face the barrage of darkness and the junk in this world. But it gets harder and harder because how can you shelter them in a world where it's all bombarding us every day from every angle? If you've got a phone, you're exposed to the entire world. It's a tough, tough business raising healthy and happy children. But having two people who are healthy and happy themselves, having two people who together are committed to positively investing in their children, the idea of raising happy and healthy children becomes not easy. It will never be easy, but it does become easier. And the Bible even says it. Two are better than one because if one falls down, the other can pick them up. If one gets cold, then, then they can lay down together and keep each other warm. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's easier with two healthy and happy people committing together. It's not a guarantee. There's no such thing as a guarantee. I hate it when people say, if you parent kids right, they'll always turn out right. No, they won't. There was only one perfect in the history of earth. And it was God with Adam and Eve. And he didn't do very well with them, did he? They blew it big time, though he was a perfect parent. There is no guarantee, but when you have two healthy and happy people investing together, it increases the odds. And here's my deal. God's never given two human beings anything more valuable than their children. And I'm all for increasing the probabilities of giving them and unleashing them out as healthy and happy people. And that's what doing it together creates. When you have a healthy and happy marriage, it creates a very positive influence in a world of very negative influences. When you, when you have a healthy and happy marriage and you're parenting together, it creates a desirable example in a world of very undesirable examples. And this is why I put Proverbs thirteen twenty in the, in the talk. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now listen, your kids will have no problem finding foolish companions. But it's really difficult to find wise companions. And this is why when you have a healthy and happy marriage, two parents together committed to living a life of wisdom in their kid's presence, it benefits the kids greatly because it rubs off on them. Now let's address the elephant in the room, the obvious problem with my talk so far, okay? Because I, I know already in this talk there are some people who are reeling and backing up from me and getting some conflict inside and maybe even going to war with me. I, I get it because obviously not every child and not every family gets the crack at having a healthy and happy marriage as its foundation. I mean, come on, it just doesn't. I mean, with all the brokenness in the world and broken people, broken marriages are very common. Many of you have the devastation and the pain of broken marriages in your life, in your journey. And you hear someone like me get up and say, a healthy and happy marriage is the, is the best and the strongest foundation for building and raising healthy and happy children. And 
you immediately feel excluded. You immediately feel like, well, you know, then I have no hope. And you couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is our culture has become extremely tough on marriage. I know that. Healthy and happy marriages are less and less common in our world. And so there are a ton of single parents in this world. And there are a ton of, of married parents who, though still married, aren't experiencing healthy and happy marriages, and yet they're still having to parent. And, and a truth like this can really grate against your reality, and I get that. And, and I just want you to know right up front that this talk is not meant to be an attack on you. It's not meant to, to, to discourage you or to condemn you at all. It, 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 as with this whole series, this talk is meant to encourage you, to give you principles that can lift you up and help you to start from where you're at. But, but just because the reality is there's a lot of brokenness doesn't mean that we shouldn't teach the truth about the picture God gave us for marriage. Because, you know, there are a lot of people yet to start families and we need to give them the truth about the best way to go about it. And there are a lot of people still in the context of marriage who have redeemable settings and they need to know the truth about this. And the culture's not telling them. Many spiritual environments aren't telling them. But God tells them, and I need to be honest about what God says. Let's be honest. Parenting alone or without a healthy and strong marriage partner makes it harder. Not impossible, but harder. Be honest about it. There are great examples in the Bible of people who raised children in less than ideal circumstances and their children became extraordinary people but the context of that parenting experience was harder not easier it created less probability not more probability here's the good news that you need to know and this is how I want to encourage you who are who are not experiencing the happy and healthy marriage context as you try and raise children the good news is that when our circumstances aren't ideal which is true of all of us in different places in our life when our circumstances aren't ideal God still can do his good work in our lives God can still do his good work because nothing's impossible for him even if we stack the deck against success, God can still do unbelievable things to bring about extraordinary success. It doesn't mean we should do it this way. It just means that he can. Have hope. If you're a single parent or not so happily parent, you can still successfully parent. It'll be harder. It'll be more difficult, but you can do it. And I believe this entire series, InstaFam, can help you and encourage you and give you principles upon which you can seek to invest even in your circumstances. However, if possible, if it's still in reach for you, the best gift we can give our children is a healthy and happy marriage. It's the best gift. Sadly, many couples make the tragic mistake of sacrificing their marriage in order to attempt to better invest in their children. And it's a huge mistake. We, our team, our video team put together that stick video just before I came up of the, the two people who came passionately together and then came dog and then came cat. And by the way, I think they really blew it there because if you have a dog, why would you ever have a cat? Just a thought. Okay. Um, but, you know, some people are ruled by dysfunction. And so I get why you have cats, but that's okay too. But, but I mean, okay, so then comes the dog and then comes the cat and, and then come kids, right? And... But, but in that video where, where they got it right was all of these things came between them. And then as the kids left and life changed, they were no longer together. And many of us, in an attempt to better invest in our children, uh, sacrifice our marriages. 
and yet the world doesn't get the problem. Uh, recently, I mean, it was really all over the news recently when uh, a media personality, Juliana Rancic, um, said these words. She said, um, in our marriage, a healthy marriage comes before our children. A healthy marriage comes before our children. And it's absolutely right. But <laughs> you would have thought, she said, we beat our children every day and have locked them in the closet until they're 21. By the reaction. I mean, people went ballistic. Oh, there, they've invested in their marriages to their kids. Blah, 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 blah. Vomiting through the media, you know, all over the place. Crazy reaction. And here's what I believe the problem is. And here's why I believe they did it. They're trying to defend and rationalize their own messed up choices by denying objective fact. It is true. That was a golf clap. You do know that, right? That... Give a final four clap if you're going to do it. I mean, seriously. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Just because we've blown it, and all of us have, doesn't mean we should deny truth to defend and rationalize where we're at. Come on, we shouldn't do that, and that's what they're doing. So since a healthy and strong marriage is such a positive foundation for family... I believe it's the place we should start in this series. I'm going to focus on God's principles for building the right kind of marriage. And once again, let me say it. I know many of you aren't married. I get it. But the principles that we will discuss in making a marriage healthy and happy can be applied with very little creativity to every relationship of your life. This is relevant to all of us. So apply it. Benefit from it. If we're going to ultimately have healthy and happy marriages, then we have to move forward with the first of God's principles, which is simply this. A healthy and happy marriage demands a partnership. It demands a partnership. Two people standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder, equally committed to the relationship. Look at Genesis 2, 18 and 22. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper, a partner suitable for him and who was the partner then the Lord God made a woman the right kind of marriage partnership involves what I like to call mutual submission mutual submission it's not submission one way as has been taught by so many people through the years and is so wrong it's submission that is both ways both the husband and the wife need to submit surrender sacrifice their individual rights for the good of the other person and the relationship as a whole. It takes both submitting. And yet so many people have taught that it's one-way submission. Husband sits in his lazy boy chair with an empty glass with some ice and shakes it. And baby doll's supposed to come and fill it. That is a load of manure. That's the first time in about a month I didn't say the word. But I got you to think it, which is just as good. <laughs> it's not one way. It's mutual. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And no, this is a foundation verse that then leads to talk about every kind of relationship we have as human beings. Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then God starts talking to specific kinds of relationships. 
And he starts with marriage, and he starts with the wife. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. He said, yeah, in all relationships, you have to submit to one another, sacrifice for the needs of the other, and for the benefit of the relationship. And then he, he starts with the wife and says, wife, you have to do this with your husband. But you know, a lot of people have made the mistake to think that that means only the wife's supposed to submit. But you have to ignore chapter 5, verse 21 that says both are supposed to submit. It's simply pointing it out because we're really good at rationalizing ourselves out of what the Bible's saying. So he says, everybody has to submit if you're going to have the right kind of relationship. So let me now list it out. Wives, that means you because I know you're thinking that it's your husband that's the problem, but you, you need to do this too. But then look what it says in verse 25. It says, yeah, and you too, husbands, you have to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And this is where a lot of people get their heads so out of, you're so messed up. They go, it doesn't say submit. It doesn't say submit, husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives. It says, wives, submit. No. Verse 21 says, submit to one another. And then it says, wives, yeah, you have to do it with your husbands. And then it says, husbands, you have to submit to your wives. And, and then because husbands usually are more dense than their wives... God then explains it a little bit further. Seriously. And I only know this because I'm more dense than the average male. So, I mean, I get this, okay? I relate. But he's saying, now, husbands, since, since you don't get this really well, let me tell you what submit means. You are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And in case you don't understand that... He gave himself for it. He gave up every right and sacrificed all his rights in order to invest his life in redeeming his people, his church. And that, husbands, is how you're to have a healthy and happy marriage. Sacrifice your rights as Jesus did. Invest yourself fully for the needs of your spouse as Jesus did for us. And and you can experience a healthy and happy relationship. And once again, because husbands usually need a bigger kick in the butt, um, he says this in verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies because he knows that we men love standing in front of the mirror going, <laughs> you know, and we love taking care of ourselves. And he's saying, if you're going to love your wife right, you have to love her as you love your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. A healthy and happy, happy marriage demands a partnership and it demands a partnership in every area of life, spiritually, financially, relationally, in household things, in parenting, and social things. We have to be partners. Now, this doesn't mean we all have to do the same things. We should be bringing into the relationship and sacrificing for the relationship our greatest strengths. You know, a lot of people go, well, we have to equally share the wash and we have to equally share the kitchen response and we have to equally share. No, you don't. You have to equally share the burden of doing life together. In our household, Roxanne doesn't want me touching the wash because every time I do, we have to go out and buy a new wardrobe. I mess it up every time. So I have to invest my strengths in the household and she has to invest her strengths in the household. We have to sacrifice ourselves equally for the household and when we do, we can experience some health and some happiness. And there's another principle. If we're going to have a healthy and happy marriage, goes beyond a partnership because you can't have a partnership without the second principle. 
Many people are trying to have a partnership, an intimate partnership, like marriage affords, but they're trying to do it without the second principle. A healthy and happy marriage demands a commitment. It demands a commitment. Look at what God says in Genesis 2.24, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united, committed to his wife, and they'll become one flesh as if they're one person. You can't separate them. Matthew 19.6, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate because it's ravaging, it rips people apart. 1 Corinthians 13.8, love never fails which means that though we write a lot of songs about love and write a lot of poetry about love and make a lot of movies about love, we really don't understand love because love more often than not fails, doesn't it? And God's not denying the fact that, that relationships fall apart and people separate, but he's saying, man, don't separate it because you're one flesh and it will leave scars and wounds and rip points and brokenness that, that will always be a part of your life. A healthy and happy marriage demands a commitment. Without it, you'll never get there. The idea of commitment has really taken a, a fist to the chin in our culture. People, many of us, are trying to experience healthy and intimate relationships without commitment. People are trying to build healthy and strong families without commitment. And you need to know, God told us it wouldn't work. And I know our culture and philosophy keeps arguing against it. Oh, come on, it'll work. But sadly, the condition of marriage and the family in our world today is simply proving that God knows what he's talking about more than we do. It takes commitment. It's a big deal. There, there's this older book called The Mystery of Marriage by a guy named Mike Mason. I got exposed to it probably about 20-some years ago. It's now in its 20th anniversary edition. You can still get it online. I'm not recommending it necessarily, but you can. still published. But listen to this quote. True love asks for everything. And not just for a little bit or a whole lot, but for everything. And unless one is challenged to give everything, one is not really in love. But how hard it is to give everything. Indeed, it's impossible. One can make a symbolic gesture to, the, to that effect. One, one can, can make a grand, dramatic public statement to that effect. That's what we do with our weddings and our vows. But that's just the start. The wedding is merely the beginning of a lifelong process of handing over absolutely everything. And not simply everything we own, but everything that one is. You want a healthy and happy marriage? You can't build it without commitment because it demands everything everything, which is why so few are experiencing it. Commitment is powerful. God doesn't ask for commitment in relationship because he wants us to experience loss. He asks for commitment because he understands it's the only way to experience gain. Commitment is powerful. Now, in a world that does not believe in commitment, listen to the power of commitment. Commitment motivates us to invest in the relationship. Because you see, we're in it for the long haul. So no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult, no matter how many challenges we face, commitment means the investment will be worth the work because we'll get to reap the dividends of the work one day. It's a big deal. Uh, commitment provides security because there is, 
When we, there's commitment, that means there's someone who will always be there for me, always accept me, always share with me, always encourage me, always forgive me, always love me, always. Now listen, there is nothing more insecure than a relationship without commitment. Nothing more insecure. Because without commitment, it motivates you to hide. Because if they know who you really are, they might leave. It motivates us to wear masks, to, to image ourselves differently than we really are because if they saw who we really are, they might leave. There's no commitment. And there's nothing more miserable than hiding behind a mask pretending that the person is loving you when you know they're just loving the mask. Without commitment, we are people who have to be dishonest, who have to always live in fear. And often we quit on the relationship because we're not sure it's going to be worth it because there's no commitment. Commitment provides not just motivation and security. Commitment provides time, the necessary time to grow up, to build a rewarding relationship. And God knows that I needed time if I was ever going to do that. And Roxanne's commitment to me gave the time I needed to grow up. And now she's reaping some of the reward. Now, almost 34 years later, she's reaping some of the reward. Now, I'm going to be honest. She wished it had come a little bit earlier in our relationship. But she's reaping it now because of that commitment. And, and it's better late than never, right? And, and I'm telling you, commitment makes it possible. I believe many people give up on the relationship before the fruit of the relationship has the potential to grow. Because they don't have commitment. They don't have commitment. There's another principle. If we're going to have a healthy and happy marriage, it demands a passion. A passion. Not just a partnership and not just a commitment, but a passion. Look at Genesis 2.25. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, I'm not positive this verse really communicates the point and the principle that I'm giving to you right now. Let me tell you why I included the verse. If I'm the man and I'm standing there naked and I'm with my wife and she's standing there naked, I know I'm feeling some passion, so it must be true, right? <laughs> Do you need a little blue pill before you can figure this thing out? I mean, seriously. I mean, there's passion involved in this gig. Look at Proverbs chapter 5. Some of you are going, we shouldn't be talking about this in church. Really? Then why did God put it in the Bible? Look at Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. I'll help you even become more uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> Look what it says. May your fountain be blessed. Now, I'm not positive I know what that's talking about. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I know what it's talking about. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts, yep, I know what it's talking about. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Are you kidding me? That's passion. A healthy and happy marriage demands passion, not just sexual, but passion. Passion. That's what it's about. And just as an aside, some of you men have really misinterpreted that passage. You think it says, rejoice with a young wife. And so you keep ditching the women that get older and marrying younger people. It's not what it's saying. 
It's saying rejoice with the wife you married in your youth and stay passionate about her all the way through your life. A healthy and happy marriage demands that we keep the fire. It demands that we keep the fire. And realize this can't happen if you make the mistake of believing that the kids need you every second of every day, that they can't live without you for time alone so you can have time alone with your spouse. I'm going to tell you right now. Your kids, for two reasons, need you to leave them sometimes. Number one, they need to have a vacation from your dysfunction. They, they don't need to be smothered by your all-consuming attention. Parenting is not about keeping them like this. Parenting is about releasing them into the world as they're ready to move forward. Start releasing a little. There's a second reason they need time away from us. It's because they need us to have time to rekindle the fire of our passion so they'll have a mom and a dad with a healthy and happy marriage. And this is why Roxanne and I would every once in a while take an appropriate amount of time away from our kids. Three, four months. Uh, and um, it was... Not, not really. That was, that was in my dreams, actually. Um, but... but but we would take a long weekend or we would take a week, you know, away from the kids so that our passion could be rekindled. And one of the things we did after our 15-year anniversary, after being married 15 years, we had the privilege for the very first time to go to Hawaii. Some of you do it on your honeymoon. What a waste. I mean, you can have fun on your honeymoon anywhere, but Hawaii, man, you know. And so 15 years in, we, we tried to go to Hawaii about every five years for a while after that. And uh, we had our kids and it was our break and... And I've always looked at some of you, some of you people, take your kids to Hawaii. How stupid is that? We don't want our kids to know what we're doing in Hawaii, you know? We don't want to, to waste the Ramonic environment. It's great. We used to tell our kids, look it, find your own husband or wife and go to Hawaii. But for us, that's our place. And we'd leave them. And it kept the fire alive. And this is why we watch our grandkids once a year for an extended period so our son-in-law and daughter can get away and keep the fire alive. Because I believe the greatest gift we could give to our grandkids is a mommy and daddy who love each other passionately. Don't let your kids come between you. Keep the passion alive. Keep the fire alive. Now, here's how the talk ends. And it comes quickly, but it's vital. There's a prerequisite to having a healthy and happy marriage. There's a prerequisite. You cannot experience ultimately a truly healthy and happy marriage apart from this prerequisite. If you're going to have a healthy and happy marriage or a healthy and happy relationship in any area of your life, you need to have a healthy and happy relationship with God. It's just a fact because here's the thing. If, if you don't have a healthy and happy relationship with God, you're going to be empty inside because only God can fill you up from the inside out. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to suck the people you're in relationship with dry, trying to find fullness, trying to find happiness, trying to find what's missing in your life. And you're, they're going to be doing the same to you. And so you're both going to be competing to get from the other what you need to complete you. Thank you, Jerry McGuire. And, and you're not going to either find it. 
and it's going to be a dysfunctional mess. But when you have a healthy and happy relationship with God, do you know what happens? Then you can have a healthy and happy relationship with others. Look at how God says it in 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, 15, 16, and 19. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, when it says acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, it means really believes it, acknowledges their need for it, puts their faith and dependence in it. When, when you really do acknowledge Jesus the Son of God, God then lives in you and you in God. And that says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And then it says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The only way I can experience the right kind of healthy and happy marriage is if I've experienced the right kind of healthy and happy relationship with God. You see, Jesus was committed. He gave everything to us. He submitted his rights so that we could live. He was and is passionate for us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his passion, his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, his enemies, he died for us. Jesus loves you, and he proved it. And when you know his love, you can start loving others the right way. But it starts there. And so before I just quickly share with you what a healthy relationship with God looks like, I'm just going to ask if for just a moment you'd bow with me in a word of prayer, just for a moment. And if you're here and you're saying, man, I'd love a relationship with God like that, you can have it, but you have to open your life to it. And so I'm going to pray and invite you to, to take my words, but make them the expression of your heart to God and just say, God, I want to experience your love. I need to experience your love. And I don't deserve it. I've sinned against you. I've left you out of my life. But I believe, Jesus, you love me anyway. You gave your everything for me. You died on the cross for me. So by faith, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to give me new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed with me, we make it really easy for you to let us know so that we can send you a letter of next steps in your relationship with God. In the program that you're given in our live campus settings, there's this connection card. You just rip it out. You fill it out. And on the bottom, check that circle that says, today you prayed with me to receive Jesus. And then there are boxes at every exit as you leave. Throw it in there. And we'll send you next steps about your relationship with God. Let us know you made this decision, please, before you go. But he, he, let me define for you what a healthy relationship with God looks like. And it's going to seem eerily similar to what a healthy relationship with each other is. A healthy relationship with God involves a partnership. A partnership. And what's the basis of a partnership? A partnership says, I have an absolute need for the other person. It's recognizing our absolute need for God. If we're going to have a healthy relationship with God and we're literally going to walk in life in partnership with him, we need to recognize our absolute need for him. Look what Jesus said in John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the source of life. You're just branches. But if as a branch you remain in me and then I, my life flows through you, you're going to bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. A healthy relationship with God demands that you know that you have an absolute need for him. And let me just apply it to marriage. When I first got married with Roxanne, I could see my life without her. I mean, I'd lived all my life without her, and I do didn't change that. I could see my life without her. But after 33 plus years, let me just tell you right now, I can't see my life without her. I have, and I understand human realities that eventually we die, but I'm going to tell you, I, 
I have an absolute need for her in my life. And the same is true with God. When I first came into relationship with God, I thought, yeah, that's cool. I, little Jesus here and a lot of this over there. And over time, I've realized I have an absolute need for him in every area of my life or I'll never know his promises. So do you. Do you have that? If I'm going to have a healthy and happy relationship with God, it takes a commitment. It involves a commitment. Giving myself entirely to him. Giving myself entirely to him. Many of us are playing games with God. We're giving a part of ourselves, a little or a lot of ourselves, but we're not giving ourselves. We're not giving everything. That's why we're not experiencing God. And a lot of people say, man, I've given up a ton for God. Great. That's not what it takes. It takes everything. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 14, 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything can't be my follower, can't be my disciple. A lot of us are here going, well, man, I came to church this weekend. God better bless the fire out of my life or I'm out. Ooh, you gave an hour. Woo-hoo. You know what our problem is? We want all there is of God with as little investment of ourself as possible. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in your job. It doesn't work in your marriage. And it doesn't work with God. If you want to experience all there is of God, I'll tell you how. Give him everything. Everything given to God is not a loss. Everything given to God is where gain begins. And the same in marriage. And finally, you want a healthy relationship with God? Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I, I love this verse because he's saying, my thirst for God is so strong, it's as if I'm in a desert with no water when I don't have him. What's a healthy relationship with God demand? It demands a passion. A passion. It demands nurturing a close relationship with him. It doesn't come naturally. You have to nurture it. You have to nurture it. And when you nurture it over time, you start longing for it. When Roxanne and I first started out, I loved her and she loved me, but I'm going to tell you, if something had happened back then, I would have gone on, right? I mean, you know, I... I hadn't nurtured a passion that I couldn't live without, a commitment that I couldn't live without, a partnership that I couldn't live without, but over time I've nurtured that. And now I can't imagine life without her. And the same has to be true of God. You want a healthy and happy relationship with God? It takes a partnership, a commitment, and a passion. And when you have it, you can have a healthy and happy relationship with others, a true partnership, a true commitment, and a true passion. And when you experience that, you experience life as God designed it. There's God's first Instagram. Next week, we'll look at the next one. Thanks, everybody.